Good evening, church. My name is Jacob Holbert. I'm one of the members here at Midtown Baptist. Over these past 10 months, we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, particularly the Beatitudes. Tonight, we are going to look at Jesus's conclusion to the Beatitudes. As we read not one, but two verses out of Matthew, and I promise, even though it is twice the amount of text, this will still be a sermonette. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, I would like to invite you to open to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 11. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 11. The two verses we're going to read will continue to expound on the previous beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So, if you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's inerrant word. Matthew 5, starting in verse 11. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You may be seated. I'm going to echo Joshua in another prayer, so please bow your heads. Father, I come before you tonight to proclaim your word as truth. Help me decrease as I exalt you from the pulpit. May the words I say be faithful to the text and be used to edify the people here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. As many of you know, Alexis and I just welcomed our daughter Dylan into this world about seven months ago. And as I think back to the early months leading up to delivery, I remember so many mothers encouraging us and giving us expectations of what to see and what to experience during the months leading up to delivery. What to expect during the second trimester, the third, the hours leading up to delivery, and then during the sweet but painful moments of delivery itself. Now, the reason so many of these mothers could give us such accurate expectations is because they've all done it themselves. They've expected the pain experienced the pain, and in the end, rejoiced in their precious reward. So, in a similar way, just as generations of parents have expected and rejoiced in the pains of labor and then rejoiced in the reward it brings, so too have generations of God's people expected suffering and rejoiced at the reward it brings. Specifically, Suffering and rewards that come from persecution. Christ, too, speaks as one who knows this from experience, suffering and its reward. If you recall, last month in his sermonette over verse 10, Juan preached that we should expect persecution and encourage one another in persecution. I will continue to build on the foundation he laid, as well as the others who have walked us through the Beatitudes as we take a deeper look into expecting persecution and rejoicing in its reward. That is the big idea tonight, that followers of Christ can expect persecution and expect and rejoice in persecution. 
That's going to help us divide this text into two primary parts. So part one, as I said, will be followers of Christ can expect persecution. Part two, followers of Christ can rejoice in persecution. So part one, followers of Christ can expect persecution. Before we exposit tonight's verses, let's do a little recap. Jesus, 11 verses prior, had taken a seat on a hill near the Sea of Galilee and began to teach his committed followers about the kingdom of God, teaching on the mindset and the posture of the heart that one must live by if he or she wants to be a true disciple. Beginning in verse 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn over their sin. Blessed are the humble, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And then Jesus moves from peacemaking to persecution in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Which now brings us to verse 11, where Jesus will conclude the Beatitudes. He continues on the topic of persecution, yet this time with a more direct and personal charge. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Notice the change Jesus makes as he's addressing the crowd. Look again at verse 11. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. He wants his disciples to know that he's not just addressing the church at large, but them specifically. Jesus is shifting from blessed are those to blessed are you. And in that, we see that it's really the difference between Members of Midtown Baptist, let's focus in. To Stephen, let's focus in. Glormar, I'm talking to you. Jesus is bringing his disciples into a more personal and direct connection to what he's saying. And because of this, as followers of Christ, persecution ought to be expected. Jesus is emphasizing it, and it is one of the normal marks of being a disciple. As disciples of Christ, Jesus not only tells us that we can expect persecution, but also the persecution we face will vary. And he does this by describing two different types of persecution. First, he mentions insults. You are blessed when they insult you. This includes being verbally ridiculed, ridiculed, made fun of, called names, or even given the silent treatment. Perhaps you've experienced this type of persecution from friends, coworkers, even family members. They may have commented on your devotion to scripture as an unnecessary way of living. Perhaps you've attempted to speak the truth in love to a non-believer, and in return they felt more oppressed than cared for, and they made that known to you. Maybe you've simply experienced the insult of silence, You've lost friends or haven't been talked to by certain family members in years. Be comforted in knowing that Jesus experienced these insults himself, and he is preparing us for the same type of persecution. Next, Jesus goes on to mention a second type of persecution we can expect to face, 
false accusations. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you. Note that Jesus is describing a specific type of accusation. False. Followers of Christ, those who live upright lives and are above reproach, should not have genuine accusations against them. People may speak all kinds of evil, slander, hateful things toward a Christian, but Jesus reminds us that their claims ought to be false. So, whether they're insults or false accusations that are thrown our way, these types of persecution are normal for disciples of Jesus. They're as normal as mourning over sin, hungering for righteousness, or expecting the day of the Lord. As Pastor Joshua said this past Sunday, it is a promise that God will have come to pass. And it is a worthy calling to share in the suffering of our Savior. You see, the kingdom of God is marked by persecution. In Acts 5, after Peter and the apostles were flogged by the Sanhedrin for preaching the gospel, they counted themselves worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of Jesus. Why then can followers of Christ expect persecution? Why did the apostles count themselves worthy? Look back to verse 11. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Followers of Christ can expect persecution because of Jesus. The persecution we face is only because Jesus faced it first. And not only did he face it, but he underwent persecution to the point of death so that the persecution we face would not have the lasting effects. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the persecuted and persecutors alike so that we may turn from our sins and trust in the suffering yet triumphant Savior. He is the reason we can expect persecution. The people of this world do not persecute us for our sin. Rather, they encourage and endorse it. What they do persecute us for is the one we aim to imitate in our lives. A few weeks ago, some friends and I were watching the third installment of the Hunger Games trilogy, the Mockingjay Part 1. If you've seen or read the Hunger Games series, you know that the 13 districts are under complete control of the capital. In Mockingjay in particular, certain districts were beginning to be heavily persecuted, some even to the point of death. Why were certain districts being persecuted by the capital? It was their affiliation with the capital's enemy, Katniss Everdeen, or symbolically, the Mockingjay. The capital wasn't killing without reason. They wanted anyone in affiliation with the Mockingjay dead, for they saw them as a threat and an opposition to their agenda in the capital. Likewise, followers of Christ are not persecuted without reason. It is our affiliation and our imitation of Jesus that people find their opposition. The greater our imitation of Jesus, the greater the persecution we will face. Brothers and sisters, are you faithfully imitating Jesus in your lives? Because if so, the persecution you face should not drive you to despair.
but to rejoice. Which brings me to part two, that followers of Christ can rejoice in persecution. Followers of Christ can rejoice in persecution. Look with me again to verse 12. Be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Be very glad and rejoice. Jesus is expounding on the repeated word blessed found in the eight preceding verses. For no longer is it blessed are those, but rather you rejoice. Jesus commands this type of joyful response. And here he provides two reasons as to why. One, because our reward is great in heaven. And two, because a multitude of persecuted prophets have gone before us. Our reward is great in heaven. Here, Jesus is setting up the eternal contrast between the temporary suffering in this life compared to the everlasting. Jesus is not telling his disciples that they should seek out persecution in order to merit some type of reward. Doing so would completely undermine the unmerited gift that Jesus offers in salvation through him alone. Jesus is the reason behind our persecution. Let me rephrase that. Jesus, the reason behind our persecution, is also the reward itself. I want to say that again. Jesus, the reason behind our persecution, is also the reward itself. To die in this life, but to gain the presence of Jesus in the next, is a reward worth suffering for. Peter put it plainly in his letter to the chosen and dispersed exiles in 1 Peter 4, verses 12 to 13. Dear friends, do not be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed." The kingdom of God has spanned countless years before our time and has included a great multitude of faithful followers of God. Look with me again to verse 12. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven for that is how, the perse- that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is where Jesus concludes the Beatitudes and provides the second reason as to why we should expect persecution. Sorry, as to why we should rejoice. He reminds us of the good company we are in. The reason we should rejoice, secondly here, is that we are in good company. The prophets of old who experienced persecution and found joy in the sufferings, Jesus was showing his disciples then and us now, that the suffering we have in experience for God is normal for those who faithfully follow him. It was true from Jeremiah to John the Baptist. It has and always will be the norm in a fallen world. Jesus here is also giving us models to imitate, just like the mothers who encouraged us through pregnancy and delivery. Both saints of old and new 
form a chorus to cheer us on through persecution on our way to heaven. Why? Because they've tasted heaven's reward. And they call us to run. Brothers and sisters, do you actively look to and imitate the saints who have gone before you? I have two applications to consider. First, read through Hebrews 11. You will find that their suffering and their reward are ours in Christ. And second, regularly read missionary biographies. John even told me that he would give a copy of To the Golden Shore to anyone who may want one. Now, as I bring this to a close, maybe you've been thinking to yourself this whole time, I cannot remember the last time I was persecuted for my faith. I cannot think of a situation where I've been persecuted for imitating Christ. And if that's you, because it's definitely me, I encourage the both of us to be bolder in our imitation of Christ and welcome righteous suffering with open arms in our lives. We may not know when we will be persecuted, but may we at least expect the trials and rejoice in the privilege that is sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Because as Christ followers, we will endure persecution to some degree, and we can expect it as much as a mother would expect pain during labor. So along with the chorus of faithful saints, may we rejoice, for an even greater reward awaits those who join in the multitude of past, present, and future imitators of Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this evening where we got to pray together, hear from our pastors, and sit under your word. I pray that we would find edification and encouragement from the verses we read tonight, and I ask that each of us would be mindful of you as we leave here tonight, uh, just meditating on the reward we have in you, Christ, and the persecution that will come for disciples. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.